0: to today's discussion on teaching sensitive or possibly disturbing topics. When you homeschool, you have the privilege of teaching your children nearly everything, but you might be apprehensive in certain areas. So we're here to help. I'm Sunny, Sunlight's community manager and a Sunlight mom of two.
1: Joining me today are Amber and Sheila. Let's start with some introductions. Sheila, do you want to go first? Sure, I'm happy to. Um, I am a retired homeschool mom of three kids, um, and they are all grown and working and doing all their things. So I really enjoy helping new homeschoolers figure out um, how to homeschool and how it can work in their own home.
2: All right. And Amber, you want to go ahead? Yeah, my name is Amber Severance and I am the mom to five children. One is completely out of college. I have two still in college, one in high school, and I have a sixth grader. So I've got my hand in a lot of areas here and, and um, just thankful have used sunlight since the beginning and um, I'm excited to talk about this topic.
0: All right, great. So let's dive in. Um, we mentioned that one of the best things about homeschooling is the opportunity to teach your kids so many things and I think one of the most exciting things is watching them learn new things and seeing those light bulbs go off but not everything is easy to teach, whether it be a tragic historical event, depravity in the modern world, or even identifying body parts. There are many topics that can be difficult to teach or discuss, or they may make the parent and or child uncomfortable. So why is it important not to shy away from these difficult discussions?
1: so the reason it's important to have these conversations with with your kids is because they have questions. They want to know. They have things going through through their minds, and they want clarification. They want to know answers, and you are the source of the an- answers. I mean, they're going to find answers somewhere. They're going to ask their their friends. They're, they're going to talk about it. They might get on the internet and find things, and it might um, it might disrupt their uh, their sleep. It might bother them that they don't know the answers to their questions. So as parents, we need to be uh, willing and open to be vulnerable, to have the conversations as uncomfortable as it may be. But this is all part of raising our kids. It's not just teaching them to tie their shoes and to wash their hands and to say please and thank you and to read and to do math but it's also to think through those hard things. And that is one of the privileges of homeschooling is that we get to share our beliefs and our thoughts and why we believe what we believe with our kids.
2: I love that and I think also really foundational to this is that when you answer those questions and really have a conversation with them, you earn their trust. They learn that they can trust you, that you're going to be honest with them, that if it's an appropriate thing to talk about at that time, that you're going to do it. I think another thing that might be helpful is that you model for them what it looks like to listen and to hear and to respond, um, which is a skill they're going to need when they become adults. And um Just like Sheila said, they need to know that you are someone they can talk to. You are going to answer when it's time and when it's appropriate, you are going to answer their questions. You're not going to keep them in the dark. For those reasons, I think it's really important not to avoid these kinds of questions.
1: Yeah, and I also think it's important to not um, laugh, you know, or dismiss um, because like Amber said, you are earning their trust, and so when you take their questions seriously and you give it serious consideration, and if they're asking questions that it's not appropriate for them to, you know, you don't want to expose them to, to stuff too soon. I know that was one of my big things is one of the reasons we homeschooled is I did not want my kids to be exposed to the garbage that the world offers too soon. I knew that they were going to eventually, but I didn't want it to be introduced in kindergarten or in second grade or whatever. So, um, so yes, I was protecting my my child. In fact, I I tell them now they are they are grown up, and we have had some of these conversations because when they went to college, they had an eye opening experience of what the world offers, <laughs> and um, and they were like, "Mom, you you sheltered us." I said, "You're right, I did." I did do that. Even though we had hard conversations, we still didn't talk about some some of the garbage that was out there. But I explained to them that um, I like to gar- garden, and so I will often use gardening examples. But um, when you have uh, when when you are planting seeds in a greenhouse, you are shel- sheltering those seeds from the harsh winds, from the harsh sun, or or rain, or snow, or whatever the harsh elements that are out there. But then once they reach a certain Height, you know, certain growth place. You harden them off. That's what it's called, and then you can plant them outdoors. You can plant them in the ground or in pots or whatever. And um and and I told my kids, I was like, you were my hothouse kids, like you know, my hothouse flowers that I was ra- raising. And then we hardened you off when you went off to college. And then you were, but you had the foundation, and um, and you were allowed to grow. Um, Mentally and spiritually before we released you into the world. And that was one of our goals when we were home homeschooling. Yeah, I love that.
0: Um, And I know, like what you guys said, I want to instill that trust in my kids while they're young, so that as they get older and things become more difficult. They're not hiding from me or feeling like they can't come to me. Um, That's something that I've always really tried to encourage them with. You know, I don't care what it is. If you have a question, come to me. I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to be you know, disgusted by anything, you know, that you've heard out there, I want to help you, you know, figure this out, walk through this. Um, And then remembering too that, like you said, Sheila, they're gonna hear it, you know, at some point from someone. So I wanna make sure that I am the one that is telling them, you know, this is why we feel the way we do. This is why we believe what we do. This is what we think is right. You know, before they're getting that from their friends who may or may not have good guidance at home or, you know, are telling them what the world has to offer, you know, much sooner than I want them to. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you both. Um, and when discussing a hard topic, we mentioned you're not gonna give like a kindergartner the same level of detail or talk about things that you would with an older student, but how do you determine what is age appropriate and does that vary from child to child?
2: I would, quick answer, yes. I think it varies from child to child. I have had children who were much more interested and curious in certain things at a younger age than others. So I'm not going to push beyond what their natural curiosity level is. And I also think children are curious, but you don't always need to give them every single detail. A lot of times they're asking, they're so innocent, they don't know. And so a little piece of information can satisfy them for a long time. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with, is this knowledge going to be too heavy for this child? And you're the mom, you've spent a lot of time with them. And maybe we'll have some dads watching too, but moms and dads, you're spending time with them. You're getting to know them. And I love the whole Corey Ten Boom illustration where her father says, you know, you can't carry this because it's too heavy. And some knowledge is also too heavy. I have loved that from the hiding place. And I use that with my children often. Um, I have an 11 year old right now. And I remember a year ago, she asked me a question. It wouldn't have been appropriate to answer at that point, not fully, And so I said, sweetheart, you're asking a really good question and I am going to answer it, but this isn't the time. And so I want you to trust mommy, to trust that mommy loves you and will share that with you at the right time. Do you understand that? Yep. And that was that, that, that was what, that was all we needed was, um, I would never ask you to move the couch by yourself. And I'm also not going to ask you to carry this knowledge right now but there will be a day when you're ready to help me move a couch and there will be a day you're ready to help to, to handle this amount of information. So I, I don't know if that answered that question specifically, but I definitely think each child is very different in what they're ready to handle and also what they're curious about.
1: I'm so glad you, you used that um, analogy because I was going to bring it up too. I was like, yes, the hiding place yeah. story. I love that story to, to really... Um, drive home the idea that um, when when the time is appropriate, I will. Was it also about the ticket? Like the dad had the ticket, and he's like, "When when do I give you the ticket? Do I give it to you too? You know, too yeah. soon, or do I give it to you right before we we board the train?" And then she's like, "Right before you board the train." And so he's like, "That's right." And now is not the right time for me to a- answer that yeah. question. I will, yeah. Um, so I have also, uh, said that to my kids, or I will give a general enough answer that it satisfies them, but without getting into the nitty gritty, my, my husband has a joke that he loves to share about a little boy, Johnny, who goes to his dad and asks, dad, where do I come from? And he goes into this detailed explanation about the birds and the bees and he looks at his dad and says oh because Billy says he's from Chicago and you know so it's like you you know what the meaning of that question is but he very innocently meant something completely different so sometimes I think we need to really think about where our child is and what they're asking they don't even know what they're asking um so if you can give the Chicago answer and see if that satisfies and if not you know you may have to go into a little bit of a deeper um, explanation but we have always taken the approach of um, making it a natural conversation like we did not want to have like the birds and the bees talk where you go away for a weekend, it was kind of a popular thing for a while, I don't know if that's still still a thing, but you go away for a weekend and you give them the whole, you know, the whole spiel. Um, we've just very naturally have explained things along the way as, as the children became of age, of that appropriate age, and um, and didn't make a big deal out of it and that way it wasn't a big deal like we could just talk about it without it being a taboo you know scary kind of a su- su- subject
0: yeah i agree like you both mentioned that children are curious and they're gonna ask things innocently not knowing even what they're asking um and i think a lot of times as parents we act more awkward especially if it's a young child asking us something than you know they are actually feeling or they even know to feel. Um, And so if you just kind of weave it into the normal conversations, and like you said, if they ask a question, give them a general answer and see if that satisfies what they're asking, and oftentimes it does, then those conversations do become natural over time. And then as your kids get older, it's not uncomfortable, you know, okay, now we're going to have this formal conversation, which I know was very popular when I was growing up. And that's, the approach my parents took and it was awkward and then I didn't want to talk to them about anything and <laughs> that is the approach I'm trying not to take with my own children, <laughs> you know, because I do want those things to be more natural and for them to feel comfortable coming to me. And you mentioned to you that it kind of depends on the child and are they able to lift that couch? So how do you gauge your child's sensitivity to identify what they're ready for? Maybe if we're talking about tragic things or, you know, wars and, you know, difficult topics like that, how do you determine what they're ready for and what they can handle from a sensitivity standpoint.
2: I would love to say one thing about this. I think sometimes um, we are quick to place our own sensitivities on our children. Like, oh no, they can't handle this. Oh no, they, they would be scared by this. Oh no. I think sometimes we, t- we can tend to do that. Um, I would also like to draw a distinction between difficult things in literature and difficult things in movies. Um, I had a daughter who was afraid of Mary Poppins. Uh, She didn't like the dad. He was too mean. He was angry. He was grouchy. So as a four or five-year-old, she would not watch Mary Poppins. I did not make her watch Mary Poppins, right? Like be sensitive to that sensitivity. If she says, please, I don't want to watch this. Why would I make her watch it? There's no reason to pull the adult card. Like, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah especially with anything visual. I am very, very careful with my kids if I know. And because she was so sensitive, you know, Little Mermaid was out because I thought Ursula is going to, you know, give her nightmares. So we, we didn't do a lot of uh, those kinds of movies and videos. But I think literature is a very different thing. The images that you put in your mind from words and from the books you read is a completely different ball game than what you watch on a screen, and the the visual stimulation come uh, along with the music, you know, whatever that is going on there. So, um, obviously, when you're reading history, we're not ready for some of those topics. I think Sunlight does a great job. Let's wait on, you know, we don't read To Kill a Mockingbird in first grade, you know, something like that, um, and that's pretty tame, but still. we, we acknowledge there are different age levels but children are ready to know about death they are ready to know that there are bad people in the world and that when you don't follow a biblical framework as far as what humanity is and all of that uh evil happens and um it's it's We we don't have to give them again, everything kind of like the sex talk. We don't have to go into all of it because we also want to preserve that there is joy and beauty. We want all of that for our children, but at the same time, acknowledging, because I don't want my kids to grow up and be like, we didn't know that people thought different things than you do. That's, that's silly. (laughs) And, and we, we can talk about it and give them a framework to handle it. So that's, that, that's what I I just really want to draw that distinction between um, visual and literature as far as sensitivity.
1: Yeah. I love that because it's true. When we picture things in our mind, we only picture what we have been exposed to. I cannot picture a, you know, an event or a place that I haven't seen a picture of or that I haven't been to myself or whatever. So the more we protect them from the visual input then what they're picturing in their mind is going to be much more tame than what reality is um that's why i don't watch r rated movies because i don't want pictures in my head of things that i don't want to be picturing so um but yeah. but things that are beautiful yeah i want to be able to picture those things in my mind so yeah you asked the question how how do you know Well, first of all, is your child crying? (laughs) Are they, you know, are they covering their ears? Do they not want to hear something? Are they ignoring you? Like it could just be that it's over their head. Um, And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what, you know, a tank is like, they can't picture articles of war because they've never seen it. Um, And, and. And are they having nightmares? Are they regressing in any way? You know, any of those things I think are signs um, that it's not appropriate for your child. So if you're asking questions and they're not able to answer them, it's either because it's over their head, it's too difficult, or they've tuned you out as a form of self protection.
0: Yeah, I love what you guys said about that and about the visual that you can only imagine what you've seen. So if you, you know, are censoring more the movies and the things that your kids are watching, they are able to handle the literature a lot better. Um, I know that was never an issue for my daughter where, you know, she could hear about death and understand it in a very logical way when we explained it because she wasn't seeing, you know, war movies or anything, you mm-hmm. know, horribly tragic. She wasn't visualizing that. But like you said, Amber, I mean, death is a reality and it's something that kids can handle if you explain it to them You know, uh, at an earlier age, I think it's fine as long as you explain at the level that they're ready for. So what about the topics that make the parents squeamish or uncomfortable talking about? How do you handle that? How do you get through that without making it worse for your children or letting them really see that that's awkward or embarrassing for you? Um, or, you know, like you said, Amber talking about, you know, if something's really hard on you emotionally, um, how do you not put that on your kids?
2: Yeah. Um, I think, um, this is not to be cliche, but, um, God's word is very clear that we're supposed to be led by his spirit. So I think that in those situations you pray and you ask God to help you have the appropriate response and let him work in that. Right. And then always as a parent, I think never, never um, always allow yourself to, to remove yourself from the situation to get, to get yourself together and then come back. It's okay. Hey, you know what? Just give me a second. Go to your room, pray. God, I need your help right now. Just guide my words, guide my thoughts, guide my facial expression, and then come back and just talk And, and don't, don't make it awkward. Just have a conversation. It's okay. It's okay. We've got to be the adult, (laughs) even if we don't feel like being the adult. Yeah.
1: I think also, um, especially for those of you who are starting homeschooling when they are small, preschool, kindergarten, that kind of thing, you always have them with you. So you are used to their incessant questions. Why is this guy blue? Why do we, you know, whatever, all those things. Um, So the... Once they start asking those harder questions, it's just another question. You're just answering another question. It's not like oh, you know, I gotta. And also, don't some parents like my parents? You know, um, they didn't do it right. And so don't don't base what you're going to do with your kids how your parents held you know ha- ha- handled it with you. So I love what Aunt. Amber said about praying, you know, Lord, this is an area I do not feel comfortable in. Will you please help me with the words, help me uh, know how much to say or what to say, um, what my child needs to know and ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you you know, if that's something that you think is gonna be an issue, start praying now. Lord, when the time comes, (laughs) help me um, start praying praying now because that way, You've laid it at the Lord's feet. He hears our prayers and, um, and it'll, you'll be prepared because you have been doing it. You have been praying about it for a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think prayer is the best place probably to start, like you said, Sheila, praying now. Um, I mean, from the time your kids are little, praying for them, praying for your relationship with them. All of those are good things. Um, And then I do think it makes it easier when they ask you something and you're ready. You know, you already kind of have an idea of what you feel God wants you to tell them. Um, Or if not, like you said, Amber, stepping aside and saying, I'll be right back, you know, and praying, give me the words and all of that. Um, And like you said, Sheila, with the young kids, they're asking you all sorts of questions all day long. And so that's kind of the approach I take if I feel like I've got my own stuff or my own thoughts about this that might not be something I wanna tell my child um because i don't feel like i can art- articulate that for them um or it's something that maybe is awkward is that i just pretend like it's a question they would have asked me when they were little like why do i have ears you know or something just very like basic you know not embarrassing at all something where you would answer that nobody's going to get awkward or feel like they can't talk about that topic so that's kind of my approach is pray about it make sure that i'm on the same page with the lord and what he wants me to tell my kids but then also that it's like I'm talking about any benign, you know, subject that they might ask about. Now, what about, uh, this becomes more of an issue with older children, but what about when your child doesn't agree with you on something? There are a ton of things happening in the modern world that you don't agree with or condone. So how do you take a stance and teach your children what you believe without pushing them away?
2: Um, It's a, it's a really good question. I had, um, I had two thoughts and they have, one starts with an A and one starts with a B, so that's handy, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think that it's right to acknowledge that there are other views, right? Even, even views that we might not agree with, you acknowledge that there are a lot of other people that feel differently than you do um, or than your parents do, right? So their parents, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> acknowledge <laughs> that there are other views And then I think it's really important to be honest about the basis for your views. Do not pretend that your view is God's view. If it's just your standard or something that you like for your family, if you have a standard that's based in scripture, take them to scripture and show them why you believe what you believe. But at the end of the day, your child may not follow you on that path. Um, They're human beings. They're allowed to make choices. They are not going to do everything you like and everything you want. And when they're two and three and four, you can make them do everything you want them to do, but you cannot control their heart and their desires and their will ever. That's the job of God. And um, I think that it's super duper important to say, here's why we believe what we believe. Here's where we base this. And. As a child who's still in my home, so I have a 16, almost 17 year old right now, he's still in my home. We do not allow him to watch certain movies or do certain things, but we don't pretend it's because we're wonderful or that what we're protecting him from is the most horrible thing in the world. What we say is, look, we're responsible to God right now. As long as you're in our home, we are accountable to God. And so here's why we're not allowing you to see this or go with these people. Here are our reasons. It's not like, well, just buck up, buddy. It's because we say so. When you get out, you can do what you want. It's not like that, but let's talk through. Here's why we have our standards. Here's what we're basing that on. But guess what? In a few years, you're going to be on your own and it's going to be you and God. We're not in here in the mix anymore. And so then you're going to answer to God. And we hope that as you're answering to God about this, you have a reason for the standards that you have. Here are ours. We hope you have similar ones. That would obviously be really wonderful if all of our kids thought, well, like we did, <laughs> maybe it would be good, but then we wouldn't be challenged either. So those things, acknowledge that there are other views. Don't, don't make your kids grow up thinking that your standard is God's standard in all areas. Um, unless you can take them directly to the word of God and show them, awesome. And then be honest where, where you're getting the basis for your views. Um, yeah, I think another thing too is be sensitive to how hard you might be making it for them. Um, just that acknowledgement. Hey, look, I know when we say you're not gonna have a phone at this point in your life, that makes you seem out of it because all your other friends do have a phone. But please trust us that we love you and that we have your best interests in heart. And here are the reasons why we're waiting. And um, God wants you to honor us because we're your parents. I think if you can have those kind of conversations and they can hear your heart, look, that's I'm not going to be dogmatic. That's not going to work with every kid. Some are still going to be really angry. But if you have a reason and you know, and you talk it through, I think that's super, super important to, to acknowledge that it is hard to be different.
1: I would add to that, and I agree with all of that, but the one thing I would want to add, and I'm living, <clears throat> I am living this right now, I have a 26, a 24, and a 21-year-old, and they are all individual people, even though I raised them all the same way, you know, I'm, it's not like mid-life um, I had a change or anything like that, we've we've maintained the same kinds of um, rules and beliefs and all that, but they are all walking their own path. And we get into some interesting conversations around the dinner table when we're all together about what they believe and what we believe. And I think the important thing is to maintain the relationship. Do not, you know, you do not want to, um, to fight a battle where you're going to lose your child's heart. So, and, and I'm not saying that we kowtow to them. We don't say, oh yeah, you're right. It's not that, it's not that we listen With respect, we have the conversation, but ultimately we maintain the relationship. So when your kids are doing things and seeing things and being with people and doing things with people that you don't agree with, you know, it's not that you condone it. It's not like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. No, no, Um, but you maintain the relationship and, um, and hopefully in time, Train up a child on the way he should go. And when they come back to their senses, they will come back to the Lord. Yeah.
0: I love that. My dad used to joke that, oh, I can't wait till you're 25 and you're normal again. Like when I was in high school, (laughs) that was always what he would say. He's like, when you're 25, your brain will be fully formed and then you'll be back to who you should be. And (laughs) he was just hanging on, I think, when we were in high school. But Um, Along those lines, you talked about how you expose them to other viewpoints, but how do you keep them from being, I don't know, confused or not certain which path they should follow? Or how do you help them walk against the grain if they are doing something differently than other people are?
2: Um, Sunny, I think it's so important to ground everything in the word of God. I don't know how I don't, we don't have something else. Okay. Mm-hmm. If God is the creator and he established this world and he gave us his word to look to as our standard, then in every, in every area, I need to be able to point my kids to the word of God in the bedrock. That is God, who is unchanging Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am not unchanging. I've changed my views about a lot of things. And Sheila could attest this when my, I bet when my kids were 12 and under, I'm like, all right, all right, we got this. And then all of a sudden, right. It's just, <laughs> wow. Okay. So you, you change and your parenting changes. I parent my 11 year old very differently than I parented my 23, almost 24 year old. It's just different. Not everything is different, but I have changed and grown. God is the same. And God will always be there. I will not always be here. I I could be diagnosed with cancer tomorrow and have one year left. I will not be here. My kids cannot depend on me or my views or my opinions or my beliefs. They have to have a relationship with God and know what God's word says. And so when you develop your standards and you say yes and no to things in your life based on God's word, and you tell them why you're saying yes and no, um, That helps them know, okay, there is a standard. What, how does God want me to live? How does God want me to flesh that out? And they're not going to do everything right. I don't do everything right. I sin. (laughs) I do things against God's word. They're going to do things against God's word. And how do we make it? But we, we have got to give them a standard that's based on something that is not just something we make up and we're not driven by every whim that comes along, but it, but it better be in God's word if we're going to be willing to take this hard stand. Yeah.
1: Um, What I would add to that is um, goes back to prayer. Like Mm -hmm. I am not my child's personal Holy spirit. I can, I'm not in, I don't know his heart. I don't, I'm not in their head. Um, Only God knows what's inside. And so we, we trust our kids to the Lord. He gave them to us to raise it. You know, they are our, um, responsibility for safekeeping and things like that. But I cannot, I can lead my child to the Lord. I cannot make him, you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. So, um, so yeah, so you, you raise them up. In the fear and admonition of the Lord, but you acknowledge that there are other beliefs out there, and when they are age appropriate, you start introducing what those are. And the hard thing about homeschooling is that you have to know what you believe. You, it mm-hmm. it makes it forces you to think. It really mm-hmm. does. And there are times where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I believe about this. I don't want to think about it. Like I'm lazy. We're lazy. We don't want to have deep thoughts and and work out um, what we believe about. So many different things that our world is dealing with right now but um, but it forces you to, to have to because the, your kids are going to ask questions they may see something in the news and they're going to ask about that, and you need to be prepared to to have a conversation. So it's not easy. It's not. but. Um, the alternative is that you let someone else have those conversations if you send them to school and then they're going to impart what they believe and it may not be the same as what you believe so yeah i also, love that <laughs> well, i
2: would also love to say um i'm so thankful for um sunlight and and the things that we do introduce that are introduced early on so even now my 24 year old she'll say to anybody who wants to listen um, you know, from kindergarten, she was learning that there are other religions, that there are other views, that there are things that, you know, it's not all this. It's not all whatever my mom says. And and even the difficult things, the books that we read, the the, the hard families that maybe they're coming from, whatever. It's important. And they get exposed to those in that kind of a safe environment where we can talk through it. Um, so, yeah, I, I echo everything Sheila said to We, we, we've got to pray and we think we have so much control. We don't, but we can love these kids and fill their minds with good, beautiful things, have a framework for discussing the hard things and then let God do with them what he's going to do with them.
0: Yeah, I love everything you guys said um, that, yeah, when you homeschool, you are taking on that responsibility of teaching things that normally your kids would learn in school. um, And it isn't always easy, but you have to know what you believe and why you believe and turning that over to the Lord. I think that's often a big motivation for parents to homeschool is that they do want to instill those things in their children, but they may not know how. Um, So yeah, absolutely praying and determining how you feel, how you're going to live your life um, so that you can model that for your kids. Um, But like you said, Amber, I love that Sunlight does show kids from an early age that there's all different viewpoints so that you can start having those conversations with them. You know, how do you feel about this? You know, this is how mommy feels, but how do you feel about this? Are you confused by this? You know, those types of conversations at an early age um, so that they do become more natural as the kids get older, um, which is great. But how do you know if you should maybe be concerned about some of the things your child is expressing, questions or interests in? Maybe they've heard something from somebody else, or like you mentioned, you know, there's things that happen in the world. Um, are there any red flags to look out for that maybe it's something deeper that you need to seek additional help for?
1: Well, when we were talking before about um, how can you tell, you know, are they having bad dreams? Are they? Um, crying are they doing things like that that's when they're young but as they get older there may be other red flags that you need to be aware of um do kids regret not regress like go back to a former age but like do they go into their room do they not want to spend time with you like they used to be sociable and now they're not um they used to talk to you and now they don't um our pastor's wife used to talk about laying down in the dark with your kids. And as they got older, you know, when they're tweens, pre-teens and teens, um, she would say that she would go in to tuck them in, you know, and it would be late at night, 10-ish. That's late for me. Sorry, I go to bed early. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, That's when they wanna talk, when it's dark. And so you lay down in their bed with them and just, you know, you're not face-to-face. You're kind of staring up at the ceiling, it's dark. You're not looking at them. They're not being scrutinized. And then that is when they want to open up and tell you about what Susie did or what Jimmy said, or, you know, and they want to process stuff with you. Um, And for a morning person, that is really, really hard. I remember when we were going through that and my husband and I would be like, really? 11 o'clock, this is when you want want to have the conversation? Like, I'm I'm half asleep. But, but luckily we had an older and wiser person tell us like they, she warned us like this is going to happen. Be ready. Um, and it's in those times when through conversations you can pick up on like, Hmm, that doesn't sound right. So you can either ask, tell, tell me more. That's a great question to ask. Um, but there comes a time where you may be out, you know, it's, above your pay grade or you're in hot water and you don't really know what to do then um seek outside help we we had an issue and we had to um we i went to my pastor and said this is what's going on and so he gave me the name of a christian counselor and and we got help um and i i'm convinced that had we not done that i would not have a child to this day i think he would not be with us so yeah, you have to be alert and look for those signs that might indicate that there is something going on. And dadgummit, it always comes around puberty. I don't know what it is with the hormones cha- changing, but um, it 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 can raise up some some you know some things that that need to be um, addressed and maybe. By an outside source, we also have a saying in our fa- family, we call it the ministry of the outsider, that they won't hear it from mom, mom or dad, but this other adult who can speak life into their um, world, they'll receive it from them when they won't receive it from mom or dad. So if you have a trusted friend that they kind of look up to, um, that may, may, maybe they don't want to talk to you because they don't want you to judge them or to think poorly of them or whatever, but they can talk to an uncle or you know, a pastor or a youth pastor or just a close fam- family friend that they have grown up with and feel comfortable with.
2: And then, and then you can take it from there and see where you need to go. I think that's so good, Sheila. I think it's so important to remember to have other people in our children's lives. Um, I'm so thankful for a really strong youth group where we are that that's been a place where my kids can go ask some questions and I don't have to know and I don't need to know. I can trust them that they're gonna answer well. Um, I also think what, what Sheila said about not being afraid to go to a counselor. Um, there are times where we can blow something out of proportion, maybe our child is struggling and it might just be puberty, it might just be something that we need to keep an eye on for a little bit or ask some questions for clarification, but it's not a huge deal. It's just a normal part of growing. But then there are times when our mom guts tell us, there's something going on here. It, it feels, so you get some advice maybe from someone you trust who you, who you can ask, what do you think? Should, should we take this to the next level and get some outside help from a counselor? And I've had trusted friends who are able to say to me, yeah, I think that seems like a bigger deal. Why don't you look for a counselor for that? And God has been so faithful to our family to just bring just the right people into our kids' lives at just the right time. And like Sheila, I have a child who I think would be dead or very estranged from us at this moment if we did not seek outside help. And the outside help we needed couldn't always come from a Christian source. So um, God has been faithful. She is walking with the Lord, Um, but we went through a, a, a period of years where it was really frightening. Um, I think also when, when we were talking way back at the beginning about signs and things to watch for, I think with all of our kids, um, don't forget to watch what they're controlling too. Like if you have a child that Sheila mentioned, mentioned dreaming and things like that, as they're little people, you know, having nightmares or whatever, I think as they're older, um, food can become an issue for some of our kids where they stop eating or they start eating a ton. And a a lot of times those, and I'm not talking about boys in puberty, eating a ton, I'm talking about in an unhealthy way, like it's almost like food has become their comfort or food has become their punishment. Um, Those are times. So, so little red flags can come up. And if you're not, some of us have a lot of kids and it's busy in our houses and to, to be able to take that time to actually really pay attention and notice that's a time to get outside help.
0: Yeah, that is great advice. Is there anything else you'd like to share that could help people, you know, maybe going through some difficult situations like this, or, you know, they're starting to get to a point where their kids are asking things or it's become more challenging, anything else that would be great advice for them? I know we've talked about prayer and outside help and how to have those conversations, but anything that's either helped you personally or somebody that, you know, that you feel like might help other people.
2: Sunny, I would. I would say the biggest thing that helped me as I was even walking my older daughter through a lot of issues was I learned the skill of, and I don't always use it. Well, Learned the skill of validating. Um, I had a really hard time thinking that I could fix everything and I wanted to fix, and I didn't want her to hurt. And I didn't want her to feel bad. And I didn't, you know, you know, all the things we want to protect our kids from and, and she wasn't feeling heard because when she would say things like I feel this i would say oh you don't need to feel that way because look in the bible here's what god says you know whatever i little sermonette Mm -hmm. ready for instead (laughs) of just saying oh you feel embarrassed and then just shutting my mouth because that created the space she needed to delve into that little more oh you feel frustrated oh you feel angry why do you feel angry tell oh you feel that mom and dad aren't whatever. Okay. So instead of having that judgy fixy, let's get, I got to put out five other fires, validating, validating. I had a son once who said, I, I hate this art class. You signed me up for, I want to quit. And I want to and I said, so, and I wanted to fight back with him. I was just so annoyed with him at that point. And we were packing for, I don't know why it had to come up right then. And I just sat down and said, so you feel frustrated about art. And it got really quiet. And he said, yes. I said, okay. And then, so anyway, the conversation went on just like that. It took a little time. We didn't get out the door as fast as I wanted to, but I just validated and guess what? At the end of that conversation, he came up with the idea that I would have tried to cram down his throat. Maybe I should just wait it out for this semester and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that is such a mature idea. I love that idea. Let's do that. And and instead I would have fought with him that whole time. So that skill of validating um, validating doesn't mean I agree. So I, I don't agree necessarily with how you're feeling. Validating means I, I hear you. This is how you're feeling period. Now, now we can explore that. And I need to just shut my mouth now. And then, <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, I think what I would add to that
1: is, um, watch your pride. Um, no. the Lord just, put that on my heart this morning about as I was thinking about this topic because you know we want to do it all right and we w- we want to raise little soldiers for Jesus and we you know we just want I mean the reason we're doing this is because we think we we can do a better job than what the schools are doing at least that's what I thought and um and I think that our pride can get in the way. So mm-hmm. if we are fearful of being judged, you know, especially if you don't have support, if you have family members who don't support the fact that you're homeschooling or your church is not, a, you know, a church that homeschools or whatever. And so you don't have a big community of homeschoolers and you kind of feel alone, then you really feel the pressure of I've got to perform. Like my kids have got to be good kids because <laughs> They're the product of this choice that I've made. And if it goes south, then it's all my fault. And I'm going to look bad at you know? And so, I mean, pride can really, really, really get in the way. So again, it goes back to prayer. You know, you have to bring it back to the Lord and, and confess that to him and just trust that, um, that he has a way for, for you, for your family, for, you know, for your kids. Um, and just keep bringing, bringing it laying it at the fifth at the foot of the cross. That's I mean, that's all I can say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's a p- perfect answer. That's what we should
0: be doing. Um, and you mentioned prayer again for anybody watching, Sunlight does pray for their customers daily. So if you have any requests, you can send those to us at connections at sunlight.com or post them in our uh, Facebook group or our Sunlight app. Um, we have plenty of options there if you have a specific request that you would like us to pray for you. And ladies, thank you so much for being here and sharing all this information. It's been challenging but an important discussion and I really appreciate your insight.